Hello and welcome to Pharmacy Magazine's In Conversation With podcast. My name is Richard Thomas and in this edition I talk to the founder of HubRx, Daniel Lee. Daniel is a pharmacist who burst onto the scene in 1999 with the launch of Pharmacy 2U, which has since grown, controversially at times, to be the UK's largest internet pharmacy and is probably the biggest disruptive force the sector has seen in the last 25 years. Daniel left Pharmacy 2U in 2019 to launch HubRx. The aim, he says, is to transform community pharmacy by creating the UK's first centralised automated dispensing facility for independent pharmacies, changes in hub and spoke legislation permitting. It's a bold claim that is built on the basis of freeing up pharmacies from dispensing to enable them to focus on clinical services, generate greater revenue and compete more effectively with the multiples. But does the business and economic case stack up? Will this technology-driven model actually allow independence to compete with the big players? And can someone so closely associated with the bane of many pharmacists' lives in his previous role persuade independence that he really has their interests at heart? Let's hear what Daniel has to say. Daniel, thanks for coming on to the podcast. So, HubRx will be, depending on changes to legislation, the UK's first centralised automated dispensing hub for independent community pharmacies. For those listeners who may not be familiar with your plans, can you explain the business model? Uh, Richard, thanks for having me. Um, I'm looking forward to a, a lovely discussion with you this, this morning. So HubRx, as you rightly said, is uh, automated dispensing for independent pharmacies. We are really excited to be able to look at helping community pharmacies transform um, from a dispensing-led model uh, to one that is going to be uh, moving into clinical services. And to be able to do that, I think we're all aligned in this uh, within the industry um, that uh, pharmacists uh, need to, to be reskilled uh, and, and, and retrained and upskilled to be able to utilize the, um, the, the, the key training that they've had so that we can um, uh, free up their capacity so they can focus on what they're good at. Uh, and um, HubRx has been created and developed now for um, over two years where we're building the single largest automated pharmacy facility, which will be fully integrated um, uh, into uh, initially um, the PMRRx web, uh, but hopefully other PMRs to follow too. Um, and so the, the 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 primary focus here is is all about uh, capacity creation for the pharmacist, but ultimately um, one of the key uh, sticking points previously with with uh, Hub and Spoke was the fact that um, pharmacists were were reluctant to move into this model, feeling that it was just the large wholesalers that were going to do this. So for the first time, and I think this is quite unique with our business model, is that this is transparent pricing that's going to be passing the purchase margin through to the independent pharmacists. So increasing profitability for the pharmacist, freeing up capacity, um, and um, allowing them to, to have the space, the empowerment, the purpose to deliver uh, on pharmacy services moving forward. I think, Richard, we've seen that, haven't we, uh, through COVID, uh, where pharmacists have really stepped up to, to be the sort of first port of call to support uh, the vaccination efforts, but also um, the stress and anxiety that many patients have felt through this period. And I think we've got to capitalise on that. Um, and um, you know, this, this allows them to do that. Now, I, I think HubRx isn't the only uh, offering. I think when the legislation changes, um, you know, hub, hubs, um, different models of hubs, um, 
will be will be prevalent. But I don't think at this stage that uh, there is anyone else doing what we're looking to do, which is a fully automated, fully integrated, fully interoperable system uh, that, pass, that passes back that, um, that, that, that margin, which I think is so important for independence moving forward. Yeah, so on Hub and Spoke in general, and you mentioned the, um, the consultation there, not that the general feeling in the sector seems to be that this might be a, a, a solution looking for a problem and independents can't see how the business model will work for them. And earlier this month, uh, in response to the consultation, the CCA said there simply isn't enough service income within the current flat national funding envelope to make up for any set of costs or, or loss of margins. And CCA member companies operate hub and spoke system, let's not forget. Um, but you're saying that independents could even make a profit out of using HubRx. Is, is that realistic? We're not saying that um, that using a hub is for is for everybody. It's a choice um, for for those pharmacists that want to move into the future. I think burying your head in in the sand and feeling uh, that you can just rely on dispensing income and just what's within the NHS envelope is going to sustain your business for the future. Not embracing technology, not embracing change, not embracing um, what the patients wants is 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 a position that I think is untenable. So for me. Um, and the people are, you know, we're working with, the pharmacists and pharmacies that have signed up to HubRx, they are the, I believe, the, the, you know, the, the, the leaders of the industry who can see that uh, the, the future needs transforming uh, and, and just uh, relying on, on today's dispensing income is, 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 uh, is good enough. So we are seeing what good looks like in the industry. We're seeing those uh, pharmacists move into uh, not just NHS consultation and, and clinical services, but private too, um, and you know, uh, adopting new practices, um, potentially marketing their services locally and transforming how they're perceived in their local communities, allowing them to benefit from um, not just you know what's on offer from the NHS. So all pharmacy businesses rely on dispensing margin, don't they, from their medicines purchasing to keep their pharmacies running, basically. Is it realistic to expect them to give a chunk of this to you? I think you just got to look at the economy of scale. Um, having run the largest um, pharmacy in, in the UK for many years, I, I know uh, what margins are um, able to be purchased. So at scale, you're able to um, um, purchase uh, much, I think, more efficiently and more accurately with, with better forecasting um, rather than I think either using the traditional sort of tender processes or even now using the sort of latest cascades, which feel, you know lock you into to certain suppliers. So um, it's it's just a matter of economy of scale. If we're looking at each hub, looking after two hundred pharmacies, a million items, and you are a small independent, either you know one to ten pharmacies, the, the opportunity of us being able to purchase uh, the large majority of your of your requirement and passing that through to you is more attractive than you thinking I can hold on to it and still, you know, still do the same. What we've got to do is change the mindset, Richard, that's that's operating in community pharmacy and there'll be some that do. And I'll reiterate this through the conversation. This may not be for, for, for everybody. We're not saying this the legislation change isn't then imposing that, that pharmacies have to do this. This is for those that are finding that they are too busy, that they're too stressed, that they're focusing on um, you know, on dispensing income and dispensing um, fees of, 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 you know, of, of what that is. Um, 
and, and not focusing on on the the higher margin higher clinical services where where their focus and their training is and and we know that pharmacists and i've spoken to many um over the years and, and a lot more recently are feeling you know overwhelmed uh, underpaid under-resourced um and you know don't have that sense of purpose driven out of university that they are now prescribers in many cases uh, not getting that satisfaction of of, of 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 doing what they're trained to do so the days of picking a product labeling it and handing it out um have to be assigned to the past freeing up your capacity uh, subcontracting or uh, you know to to a, a a facility that can um in many ways do it more accurately do it more efficiently but certainly do it more cost effectively uh, is the future and pharmacists need to embrace that technology and that's that's what i think i'm urging uh through you and to your listeners today that um that this this is inevitable so let's try and tease some of these these figures apart then now in a piece daniel you wrote for us on pharmacy magazine last year you you've actually Cause a bit of a stir uh, when you said that a typical independent dispensing uh, seven and a half thousand items per month could bring in an extra um, fifty-two thousand pound a year. I think you said using hub and spoke dispensing, assuming seventy percent of their volume goes through you. Now, um, I'm not sure if you were up at the uh, at the pharmacy show last year, but people were queuing up to to question your assumptions in coming up with those figures. Could you explain? then how you arrived at that £52,000 number. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Richard, for the opportunity. So it's um, it's quite straightforward, really, in that um, there's, and we can break it down, but, you know, if 70% of the dispensing went to the hub, it frees up a certain amount of um, staff hours within, within the branch. And so you've got pharmacist time and you've got um, a dispensing technician or accuracy checking technician time that is available for appointments and there is a suite of private and NHS services ranging from NMS um, which many pharmacists aren't taking the opportunity to do uh, to the new hypertension services along with uh, you know CPCS and another range of uh, private services too and it's just about um, you know, for, for me, it's fundamentally transforming the pharmacy from a, I think I've said this before, a dispensing-led operation, re-engineered and transformed to one that is a clinical service-led operation. And there's a number of steps to be able to do that. You need the right PMR that frees up your uh, time for dispensing. Um, what is the point of reviewing a prescription for aspirin this month? Uh, that's exactly the same as the aspirin that was prescribed for last month. Um, utilizing a far, you know, superior clinical time from the pharmacist, doing mundane tasks that can be uh, automated uh, through our, our clinical systems. So embracing technology, creating a, a way of being able to allow patients to present in the pharmacy uh, in a more controlled manner. So uh, you know, we've seen that some really good examples um, within pharmacy of of patients presenting for appointment bookings, um, sorry, via appointment bookings, either be CPCS. We've seen that in for flu vaccinations and COVID, where we've started as an industry to to change the mindset that patients can just wander in and get free advice from the pharmacist because they're a professional on the high street and because they're easily accessible. To one where um, patients can book to see and and pay for a consultation uh, with the pharmacist. 
you know it's everywhere isn't it that the nhs is is full at capacity you can't get to see your gp for uh, a number of weeks um and you know the common conditions that that pharmacists are well trained to be able to treat should be the first port of call so for me and my vision it's around the transformation piece you make the uh, the tools available for patients you market that locally um and then you you know um transform your branch you know, if you're free, if you're using HubRx, for example, you're freeing up uh, 70% of your stock holding that can be um, reutilized to, to transform the, the pharmacy into something that is more of a clinical healthcare setting. Uh, and, and then patients present, um, you know, walking past at the moment, they're, they're, they're having vaccines walking past aisles full of uh, full of OTC that, that, that they're not purchasing because they're getting it elsewhere. So it's a, it's a fundamental transformation in branch to clinical service provision allowing for you to, you know, the pharmacist to, to subcontract to, to a more efficient um, reduced price. And so our numbers are, are, are very detailed, uh, Richard. Uh, the cost of dispensing in a branch, depending on the mix of, of business and depending on how much MDS a pharmacy does, is around about £1.20. Our cost of dispensing plus our uh, fee for, for that is, is, is less than half of that. Um, plus, we're going to be passing on on our uh, purchase margin, which we think can be, depending as as we scale, can be an addition of between five and ten percent of the the current margin um, that's being made in uh, in the in the independent pharmacy. Uh, so fundamentally, changing the um, the dynamic in the, in the branch, and of course, then the higher margin revenue services that we've just talked about. Uh, if you think that um, most pharmacies are not meeting their quotas of NMS. I just I just ask the question why aren't they if that's 27 pounds or around that available for you know between one and two consultations with a patient why aren't they doing it uh, and that's just um, really really surprising to me is that there's there's money on the table and pharmacists are not uh, presenting and 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 changing and you know enabling their their workflows to to allow for this well, you're absolutely right. I mean, the capacity is a, is a, is a huge issue in, in pharmacy at the moment. I mean, maybe um, a pharmacist or an owner could create that capacity by um, putting in a dispensing robot instead. Absolutely, yeah. And and and, and I'm a big fan of uh, automation across across the whole industry. So absolutely, each pharmacist. Uh, owner uh, and contractor would need to look at the, um, the, the the cost of capital and the cost to employ, you know, um, the management of that compared to um, outsourcing it to 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 HubRx. Um, so absolutely, there will, and as I said at the start of this um, this this chat, Richard, that there will be lots of different models, and those that have got some smaller groups may decide that a their own hub with a, a level of automation, and and there are some fantastic. Uh, you know, pharmacy automate, automation dispensing systems out there, um, including, you know, that, that I've worked with as well historically. Um, so I, I certainly wouldn't say that HubRx is the only answer uh, here to, to a hub and spoke model. You've explained a little bit about your, your charging structure, which I'm sure listeners will, will find interesting. Um, but let me ask you about resilience. I mean, at the moment, a pharmacy can, can move quickly unflexibly can't they if there's an issue with one of its suppliers what if your hub runs into trouble that's a, a good question richard so um 
the beauty of, of this model is it is a hub and spoke model. So if there are resilience issues, um, the hub isn't doing the 100% work and all the item lines um, that the pharmacy needs. So if there are issues in, with resilience, and we expect that there, there won't be, but the spoke is there to support that. So uh, if there are software problems or glitches, or even some sort of stock problem centrally, then um, then, the, then then it's all about that communication. And the beauty here is it's ultimately, as long as you can um, communicate to the patient and ensure that they um, know what is happening uh, within the process and, and our systems are all planned to do that, um, and then you know it's it's, a, it's around the patient care that, that's the most important thing. Um, so we do will have and are are planning to have established processes in place to ensure that if there is any kind of downtime uh, at the facility, that the spokes are all fully informed and they can pass those messages on to, on to patient care. And, and if if they need to, and and the patient can't um, wait for the facility to 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 come back on stream, for example, then then it can be done locally. So that's the beauty of having a hub and spoke model compared to a uh, one that is a direct supply model. Okay, now going back to the the government consultation on on hub and spoke. I mean, what what it's proposing, among other things, you know, as our listeners uh, will be very familiar with, is that hub and spoke models can be operated between separate business entities, which is not allowed at the moment under the, under the Medicines Act. So it's leveling the the playing field, and then it, it outlines two possible dispensing models: um, the patient goes to the spoke pharmacy to the hub. To the, back to the spoke pharmacy and then the spoke pharmacy handing the medicines out to the patient is the first model or the hub sends the medicines directly to the, the patient's home. So what, what model will HubRx be using? So at the moment it's, uh, it's all defined around the first model, um, but it's, it's really it's about what our customers want. So if, if the legislation uh, is, is flexible and allows for um, direct delivery to, to the patient, um, then ultimately it's down for the you know our, our pharmacists who are our customers to decide how, you know what they will be offering to their patients. But 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 initially we are building our hub to deliver back to the spoke because most pharmacies have got you know a local um, a local delivery service which is either charged or, or, or free of charge for you know to, to ensure that they um, they you know have that you know customer loyalty within the locality and I think that's really important from a, a local marketing and a local branding point of view so most of the pharmacists that we've spoken to um, are not really looking for a direct delivery model from the hub but if it's something that you know the legislation allows and there's a demand for it then that's something that we could think about uh, in the future. Daniel, going back to the the question of margins, so you will be purchasing the medicines, won't you, for your your customers? Um, so, what impact do you think that might have on the eight hundred million pound of retained margin that's allowed in the contractual framework? Is it going to distort that? Um, that's a very good question, Richard. I think it's uh, it's. You know, we are a small number of pharmacies uh, that we're looking to uh, be purchasing for. So our first hub maximum number of pharmacies is two is two hundred. I th- I think people are probably 
um, making it out more, you know, that this is a disproportionate impact on what we're going to be doing uh, within the industry and that it's going to be impacting on margin. Um, so I think I think at this stage, I don't think it is going to have an impact on, on the retained margin, but I think what it, because obviously it's across the, you know, the 11,500 pharmacies are currently in the industry. So I think it's a, it's, it will have a limited impact. And I think, like I say, a disproportionate feeling that this is going to, to change the retained margin element. And you said earlier on in the interview that you've been talking to independents. Um, how many customers do you expect to to join you when when the legislation, well, assuming the legislation changes? What are your kind of growth projections? So we're really excited about the the transformation piece that we're that we're offering independent pharmacies, and we've had a really good early response uh, at this stage. Um, you know, the, the the market opportunity and the market size. Um, can anywhere you know can be anywhere between sort of five and ten percent of the market, um, but f- for us it's really about proving that. Um, we know that pharmacists um, are um, find it difficult to change. Uh, the you know they're very entrenched in their in their localities and within within their businesses. Um, their core business is dispensing. It's how they're remunerated. So to get them to be able to m- shift from their core dispensing to suddenly subcontracting um, 70% of that to, to a hub is, is a difficult um, a, a, and a challenge that one that we, we sort of wholeheartedly embrace. I, I think what we're seeing is that there are some really uh, amazing examples of, of some really forward thinking pharmacists out there who, who, who are doing this. And, uh, you know, I look to to Mike Hewitson, who's uh, on, on my board as a non-executive director, who actually is vice chair of the MPA, a number of years ago was was actually against hub and spoke um mostly because um he didn't want to feel that he was passing further margin and further power back to the wholesaler i'll let mike speak um to you on, a, on, on another chat about his sort of personal feelings around that but f- for me to be able to see mike change and embrace the fact that you know technology is there we should embrace it we should we should adopt it and then see how he's um gone through this change personally he's become an independent prescriber he's uh you know leased the 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 unit next door he's he's made multiple consultation rooms he's embraced this this um this clinical role in such a way that it's driving significant uh change within his pharmacy both from a revenue and profit perspective but also from a personal empowerment perspective and i think we can do that and 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 see that with many other pharmacists too and tell me about the the facility in Leeds. How is that going? Is that going to be when's that going to be ready? Yeah, so that in the next few months, so we're we're expecting handover in the summer of uh, of this year. Uh, I think, as you know, we contracted with with Canap, who are one of the world's uh, leading uh, pharmaceutical uh, automation and logistics provider. Um, I've been really impressed uh, with their level. Um, of, of skills, engineering skills, and, and we, you know we're on track um, to, to have have this all, all already shortly. Um, I think the 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 bigger challenge and, and the one that is uh, is all embracing is the uh, is the software that that talks to to the Canap system. You know, obviously, Canap have uh, have done this before, uh, both with Boots and with 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 Phoenix. Um, and the key product with with all of that is the is the pack to patient line. Um, this is the automated labeling system. 
that um, has a number of visual recognition systems that, that checks the product, matches the, the patient um, order to the product, and, and then screens it again to ensure that the right label is on the right product to go back uh, in the patient bag to, to, to the patient. And it is a, it's a sight to see. It's, it really is an incredible uh, piece of robotics. Um, but matching that with our host system and then integrating that into our, our PMR partners um, is is the is the tech enablement that we've been talking about. I mean, it really is is transformative for for the pharmacy to be able to be freed up to allow a product that comes in uh, on EPS to to match up and then to um, see its way into the hub without really much sort of key keystrokes or touch points from the pharmacy team. Uh, is is really a significant change uh, that will impact. I think um, I keep saying the word transformative within the branch um, uh, is is, uh, is is very exciting to, to to be building. No, I'm sure it is. I, I look forward to to maybe coming up to to Leeds when you're up and running to to, to have a look at it because um, yeah, I'm sure uh, it, it's very exciting what what you've got going on up there. Um, now, just finally, Daniel, many pharmacists, of course, will remember that you founded Pharmacy to You back in 1999, I think, and uh, oversaw its growth into the, the UK's largest online pharmacy. So not necessarily Independent's favourite company and indeed got itself into a bit of hot water in 2016 over the, the patient data sale. Um, do you think your reputation could count against you in your new venture? Um, I'm, well, I'd, I'd hope not. I think, um, you know, you, you learn as, as, as you get experience and, and you benefit from, from the wisdom and, and uh, the mistakes that you made. And I think if you, you know, if you don't make mistakes then you're not trying hard enough, hard enough. Uh, I'm very proud of, of my achievements at Pharmacy Chew, Um And I would hope that the independent pharmacists have, have seen the growth at Pharmacy Chew and seen the technology that has enabled them to be able to do that. And the fact that I'm uh, I'm rebuilding, um, uh, you know, with with HubRx and offering that into independent pharmacies, they can see that they they can also benefit from that. So you'd think that um, whilst pharmacy was disruptive and is disruptive into in, into independent pharmacy, uh, there's a lot of, that that um, pharmacy can learn from from what we've re-engineered and what we've developed and transformed over the years so um, hopefully they will they'll see that this is uh, a force for good and i have to say it's it's, it's nice to be welcomed by pharmacists uh, for a change I've, I've found it really refreshing that i can walk into a pharmacy or walk into a um, a professional industry meeting um and not not have um some some, some awkward moments so it's uh, it's been really it's been really quite refreshing to be honest well, Daniel, thank you so much. Uh, it's been great talking to you. It's a really interesting conversation and I've, I've enjoyed the chat. Uh, we'll be watching the progress of HubRx and indeed where we go with the entire Hub and Spoke issue with uh, a great deal of interest over the coming months. So, yeah, thanks again, Daniel, for, for your time. Thank you, Richard, and look forward to um, having you up here in Leeds um, showing you the new facility. My thanks again to Daniel Lee. I really enjoyed the conversation and Daniel, entrepreneur that he is, didn't shy away from tackling the big questions. But do you agree with what he said? Are you convinced? Let us know. Get in touch via our social media platforms, our website, pharmacymagazine.co.uk or directly by emailing me, richard.thomas at 1530.com. You could even send in a voice note if you prefer, which we can play on a future edition of the pod. So that's it for this week. 
The Talking Pharmacy podcast will be back next week, but for now, thanks very much for listening. <laughs>